Well, thank God. Let's Talk Gospel Music Gold podcast is excited about season three and more fabulous guests. We've been talking with and sharing stories, experiences, and laughs with singers, songwriters, musicians, and independent artists in continuing gospel music at its gold. The guests on this show have tirelessly been on the battlefield to bring God's word through song, deed, and action. We also present tribute shows honoring those whom are no longer with us physically, but have left a legacy of gold with their contributions. We hope to continue bringing exciting shows and present great episodes and growing your knowledge in gospel music and its gold to keep you coming back for more. Welcome to Let's Talk Gospel Music Gold. Now, I kind of got nostalgic in my previous podcast, and that was Brother Jim May singing with the Sally Martin singers. And one of the stronger voices that you hear is Sally Martin. So today's show is giving tribute to Sally Martin, Kenneth Morris, and the Martin and Morris Music Studio. And talking about that, just talk to you a little bit about Sally Martin. I was going to just fe feature her, but I just found just so much dynamic information. But Sally Martin is a gospel singer, businesswoman, and co-founder of the National Convention of Gospel Choirs and Choruses. She sang and partnered with Thomas A. Dorsey to spread the gospel songs he'd written and, and sold sheet music after concerts. Now, Kenneth Morris was a songwriter, composer, and arranger. He was a musician at First Church of Deliverance in Chicago, Illinois. He promoted gospel music and composed over 300 songs. Now, why am I talking about Sally Martin and Kenneth Morris? Because they formed Martin and Morris Music Studio. Sally was, Sally was partnered with Kenneth by Reverend Clarence Cobb to expand and grow the church choir. That partnership grew the largest gospel music publishing companies, which spanned over 50 years. Welcome to Let's Talk Gospel Music Gold. Sally Martin was often called the mother of gospel music. She promoted gospel music through her singing career, her gospel music publishing, her civil rights activism, and her international philanthropy during the golden age of gospel music. 
a co-founder in 1933 of the National Convention of Gospel Choirs and Choruses. She toured as gospel soloist throughout the United States, and she formed one of the first all-female gospel singing groups. Sally's life spans the transformation of popular gospel music from hymn-like jubilee singing in African-American Baptist and AME churches to a sanctified gospel sound with clapping, vocal embellishments, shouting, and dancing. Sally Martin's evangelistic gospel ministry moved from church choir singing to radio ministry, extensive touring, and recording. She was born in 1896 in Pittsfield, Georgia. Her short childhood ended before high school when she was commenced to work as a babysitter, domestic worker, and laundry laborer in Atlanta. Although her family had followed Baptist worship, in 1916, she joined a holiness church and experienced a new kind of sanctified church singing. After moving to Cleveland in 1917 with her husband, she settled in Chicago around 1927. They later divorced in 1929. Sally found work in a local hospital and sang as a soloist in a number of church venues, including Pentecostal congregations, where she was received with enthusiasm. Sally Martin heard about Thomas A. Dorsey's work promoting gospel church choir programs, and in the early 1930s, she was determined to join his new gospel chorus at Pilgrim Baptist Church. Hearing her audition, Dorsey was moved by Martin's evangelistic fervor, but disliked her rough, untrained vocal style with its shouting, stepping, sanctified accompaniments. He first refused to feature her as a soloist because she could not read music and showed no interest in learning. But he, Thomas, shortly realized that most gospel singers learned all their music by ear. In 1933, Sally sang her first solo with the Pilgrim Baptist Chorus. And by 1937, she performed regularly on WLFL radio with Dorsey's University Gospel Singers. Sally began traveling around the country, establishing dozens possibly hundreds of new gospel choirs and selling new Dorsey songs so prolific that they were called Dorsey's. <laughs> A gifted organizer, she co-founded the National Convention of Gospel Choirs and Choruses along with Dorsey, Theodore R. Fry, Willa Mae Ford Smith, and several other gospel musicians. Through annual regional conferences in various regions of the U.S., the convention promoted gospel music and publicized the new songs written by Thomas Dorsey and his colleagues. In 1932, Sally Martin became the vice president 
of the convention and remained in office until the remainder of her life. In 1933, she turned her energy to assisting Dorsey with his publishing company, Dorsey House of Music. Sally Martin was much more effective than Dorsey at marketing his compositions, primarily by sending gospel groups on tour to sing the new songs in churches and at conventions. She also understood the importance of bookkeeping and inventory control and quickly both made and saved Dorsey money. So it seems like Sally was a good partner to be working with. However, she was very outspoken, confrontation, confrontational, and even abrasive. She and Dorsey struggled to maintain their working relationship. Reverend Cobb introduced her to Kenneth Morris, who was the director of First Church of Deliverance's gospel music program, and also organist and pianist. Kenneth Morris was a gospel composer, and he worked as musical arranger for publisher Lillian M. Bowles' House of Music. Like Sally Martin, Kenneth Morris worked for a publishing company owned by another. And Kenneth was looking to start his own business. Both Dorsey and Reverend Cobb encouraged Sally and Kenneth to form their own company. And Reverend Cobb provided financial assistance. In 1940, the Martin and Morris Music Company Incorporated opened its doors and did not close until 1993 after Sally Martin and Kenneth Morris's deaths. I'm going to step back for a moment and talk about a little bit more about Thomas Dorsey and the partnership with Sally Martin. Now, Thomas Dorsey became increasingly aware of Sally's value, not only as a performer, but also as an entrepreneur. She took over his music store and within a few months was turning a neat profit. Their relationship was often adversarial, <laughs> but respectful because neither could succeed without the other. As gospel choruses singing Dorsey's songs began saturating the Chicago area, Sally Martin traveled to Cleveland in 1933 to organize a chorus there. She also helped set up similar groups throughout the South and Midwest. Sally Martin and Thomas Dorsey organized the yearly National Convention of Gospel Choirs and Choruses. She was its first vice president until the time of death, as I mentioned. And in 1940, Sally went solo, teaming with a young pianist named Ruth Jones. Now, for anyone who knows anything about jazz, Ruth Jones later changed her name to Dinah Washington, and they toured the country. And just highlighting the fact that Sally Martin toured around singing and presenting Thomas Dorsey's music. Now, 
I'll just give you a little sneak peek as to, I mentioned earlier that Thomas Dorsey was not really a fan of Sally Martin's voice and how it sounded grovelly. And I'll, I'll play some of her music in a second, in a few minutes, I'm sorry. But he wasn't really with her with in, in that she would be the four person for getting his music out and selling it. Although she did do a good job. He later adopted a wonderful singer who became known throughout the world, not just the United States, but throughout the world. And the star person that Thomas Dorsey put up in front was Mahalia Jackson. However, Mahalia and Sally and Thomas, they all still work together because Sally still sold his music and still was the vice president of the National Convention of Gospel Choirs and Choruses. And that just tells you about the dynamic of what was going on. Dorsey really appreciated the business mind that Sally Martin had as far as getting his music out, getting it heard, and getting money in for the sheet music that was sold. So in 1940, when Sally Martin left Thomas Dorsey to help start the Martin and Morris Publishing Company, which published the famous Just a Closer Walk with Thee. This song made a name for Sally Martin and the Sally Martin Singers, one of the first all-female gospel groups and helped usher in the golden age of gospel during the 1940s and 50s. Her involvement with publishing lasted for over 30 years. Actually, it was longer than that. The publishing company was enacted for 50 years, but prior to that, she was also involved with the Thomas Dorsey music sales. One of the people I did not mention that sang in the Sally Martin singers was Cora Martin Moore, uh, who was born in Chicago in 1927. She was a member of the Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. Now, her birth parents, this is Cora's birth parents, were Lucius and Annie Moore, but she was adopted at an early age by Sally Martin. And thus, when she was a teenager, she joined Sally Martin and the Sally Martin singers as they traveled throughout the world. Now also, Cora has a history of her own, and we'll talk about that one day. I really love digging into these historical facts and finding out more details. And I remembered once telling someone that I had met Sally Martin and I say in a choir behind her at one point and they said that was impossible you couldn't have well Sally Martin and I'll get to that too Sally Martin lived a very long life and she didn't die until uh, 1988 so of course by that time I was a teenager a young uh, I think probably in my early 20s <laughs> during that time giving away my age but uh, I did have, a, have an opportunity to meet her, and I also got an opportunity to meet um, Mr. Thomas Dorsey and Kenneth Morris at one point. 
because they were around Chicago and they were just part of the gospel fabric in the city of Chicago. So it is just wonderful to have been in the presence. You know, when you're younger, you don't understand the history or the legacy behind the people that you're around or the people that you're listening to. But then to dig into the history and find out so much more. And I'm just really impressed with and just cling to a woman who did not have a formal education to be able to have a thriving business and that it lasted over 50 years in the publishing, but also with her singing and traveling and going on throughout the United States and across the seas. And as I mentioned to you before, my listeners, is that I try and get as much information as I possibly can to dig and find history, something that will give you structure and meat of learning about these wonderful people. Sally Martin's rough-hewn singing style, combined with the enthusiastic physicality of the Holiness Church, nearly kept her from working with Dorsey. And this author writes that Dorsey looked down on the shouting style of many Holiness singers and was reluctant to hire her as a singer who could not read music. Sally nonetheless persuaded Thomas after three auditions to hire her as part of a trio he had formed to introduce his songs to churches. She proved to be an able organizer and a shrewd financial sense who marketed Dorsey's songs, organized his finances, developed new avenues for business, and helped launch the National Convention of Gospel Choruses, Choirs and Choruses. Now, I'm going to play just a little bit of He's So Wonderful, sung by Sally Martin and backed by the Refreshing Springs Church of God and Christ Choir of Washington, D.C. Savior, what a Savior, Prince of Peace, Prince of Peace, he's so wonderful, 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 he's
In listening to Sally Martin in that recording, I can understand where Thomas Dorsey was a little reluctant in having her as his main feature vocalist. Uh, when you listen to the transitions and the style, and I understand that, and sometimes people have their own opinions about such. So it was clear that uh, Thomas Dorsey was a brilliant songwriter and would still be selling sheet music on the street corners of Chicago if it were not for Sally Martin, who had an uncanny head for business despite being born desperately poor and virtually uneducated in Georgia. Once she was in Chicago and she met, she was met with repeated rejections from Dorsey who didn't like her playing country-flavored voice. It's basically what he said. And he used those words himself in an interview with a reporter and made that statement himself. However, thank God that not only did Sally Martin continue to sing and express herself in creating her own groups and being able to go out and express, and then you talk about the when Kenneth and Sally co-founded one of the largest United States gospel publishing houses in the 1940s in Chicago. That was a joint union of magnitude. Who would have known that this would have gone on for over 50 years? Now, just a little bit about Kenneth Morris as well. Kenneth Morris was born in Jamaica, New York, and he was born in 1917, raised by an older aunt. He received piano lessons at a very early age. By the time he was 11, he was always in the church and could substitute for any Sunday school pianist. At the age of 13, he was playing his own style with a local impromptu jazz group. And by the time he was 16, he had put together his own jazz band and was arranging music for it. He attended Manhattan Conservatory of Music for two years, but dropped out at the age of 17 due to the expense. Instead, he focused on supporting himself through his popular band playing. So here is, we talked about Thomas Dorsey before, who played for Ma Rainey on the blues circuit. And then we look at Kenneth Morris, who played jazz. And then they combine it all with gospel to create 
gospel music. In 1934, the Kenneth Morris Jazz Band was invited to play at the Century of Progress World's Fair in Chicago. But the pressure of outdoor concerts held day and night caused his health to deteriorate, possibly into tuberculosis. He withdrew from the band and remained in Chicago to recuperate. He was then offered the opportunity when Chicago music publisher Lillian M. Bowles of Bowles House of Music lost her company's arranger, Charles Henry Pace, who was a gospel pioneer and arranger of Stand By Me and the founder of Pace Jubilee Singers. Lillian Bowles, who did not write music, needed an arranger who could transcribe a creator's original idea into readable music. Hearing of Kenneth Morris's arranging skills, she offered him the job. From 1937 to 1940, Kenneth Morris worked with Bowles and met such greats as Thomas Dorsey and Theodore R. Fry. His work at Bowles produced a meeting with Reverend Clarence Cobb of the First Church of Deliverance. Cobb installed Morris as choir director and organist. Now, Reverend Cobb published Morris's first score, Heaven's Bells, a Jubilee-style song with call and response and simple message, and distributed it through First Church of Deliverance. In 1939, when the church needed a new organ, Kenneth Morris recommended that Reverend Cobb acquire the newly developed electric Hammond organ. Okay, now we're going to talk about him too in a little while. The Hammond became the wildly popular organ with gospel choirs and a fixture in the genre. I'm just going to pause right there for a second. <laughs> I tell you about the innovation that comes about and the partnerships that you have when you are in gospel music and find of others' talents and strengths. So by 1940, Kenneth Morris was ready to leave his position at Bowles and form his own company and publish his own songs. Simultaneously at Pilgrim Baptist Church in Chicago, Thomas A. Dorsey's business partner, Sally Martin, hoped to establish her own publishing business. And Reverend Cobb encouraged Kenneth and Sally to co-found their company, Martin and Morris Music. And he provided financial help to launch that very business. I tell you, because I am in the Chicago area, that that building still stands. And I would like to put a pin in it right now and say, wouldn't that be a fabulous place to have a museum putting information out about that. I'm putting it in the atmosphere. Wouldn't that be a great place to start off and putting a gospel music museum in that building? Because it still stands there on South Indiana. Getting back to the Martin and Morris studio, their imprint permeated the first 50 years of Black gospel music. 
jointly owned by Singer and Persianato is how this writer wrote this. And a Persianato means a person who organizes and often finances concerts, plays, or operas. And that is Sally Martin. And then we have the composer, Kenneth Morris, who delivered gospel songs to an eager public and offered ordinary Americans the chance to see their names in print as author or composer on the cover of a gospel and what they call here is a gospel octavo. And an octavo is a size of book page that results from folding each printed sheet into eight leaves, which will give you 16 pages. Wow. Could you imagine being a songwriter and your song is published and it is so large that it leads out into 16 Teen pages. Come on. <laughs> Sally Martin and her singers performed popularized music bearing the Martin and Morris Music Studio imprint in venues ranging from small churches in the Deep South to national conventions in Washington, D.C., and widened circulation of the music through Los Angeles recording studios. Now, to tell a little bit more about the travels of Sally Martin, Sally Martin didn't just travel in Chicago and, and lived and moved in Chicago. Sally Martin also went to California, to Los Angeles, California area, and she lived there for some time. And I will just give a, a little bit more of some history that people may or may not know. The late James C. Chambers, who was the founder of the Ecclesiastes Community Choir, started a music workshop in Chicago called the ECC Music Workshop. Now, in that workshop, which started in 1988, there was an award that he named the Sally Martin Award, which was given out to directors, women directors or choir leaders in Chicago. So she was honored in that. And then also he developed a Kenneth Morris Award that he gave out to musicians and songwriters through that workshop. So there's another little bit of tidbit that, yeah, I, I, I had run into one or two of them. <laughs> Now, I found in the library some information as well about Martin and Morris gospel sheet music and their collection. This collection of 1,500 scores represents nearly the complete catalog of the publisher Martin and Morris Music Studio. In 1992, Nisi Morris, who was the widow of Kenneth Morris, gave one copy of each of the titles available in the store. An inventory of this reference collection was provided. Martin and Morris distributed music from other publishing houses, such as Venice Music, Claire Ward Publications, Roberta Martin Music Studios, Frazier Cleveland Music, 
Savoy Music, Acceleric Music, Flormar Music, and Conrad Music. Martin and Morris published works by other artists as well as soon become the leading gospel music publishing company. Among their composers were Alex Bradford, James Cleveland, Sam Cooke, W. Herbert Brewster, Lucy Campbell, and I talked about her a while ago, Little Lucy, and Dorothy Love Coates. Using his talents, that is Kenneth Morris, as a transcriber and arranger, Kenneth added his name in one way or another to most of the sheet music that graced the shelves of his studio. He himself composed more than 300 gospel songs. And this, my friends, is gospel music gold. I want to thank you, the listening audience, for this tribute show honoring the late Sally Martin and Kenneth Morris in this segment on Let's Talk Gospel Music Gold. These shows are to explore, record, and raise excitement about gospel music and its gold. I hope you, the audience, enjoyed this episode as much as I have. Please send me an email sharing your thoughts about this show segment. Also, if you have any suggestions for future guests you would like to hear on the show, send an email to Let's Talk to gmg at gmail.com that's let's talk the number two gmg at gmail.com you may also like and share the podcast episode or if you subscribe you'll be alerted when the newest podcast is published and there is now a let's talk gospel music gold radio show on WMRMDB internet radio station on Saturday mornings at 9 o'clock a.m. Central Standard Time. And this show can actually, because it's the internet radio station, can be heard all over the world. I am your host and Sonia saying, let's sing, let's shout and tell of the great news through Gospel Music Gold. Until the next episode, take care and God bless.
has been sponsored by Nelsi IT. The disaster has happened. We were all caught off guard March 2020. And in many cases, there is now a rebuilding process which must take place. How does this affect you as a church leader or a small business owner? With over 20 years of experience, we can help you create an emergency response and a business continuity plan for your church or your small business. We discuss methods of preparing for the next emergency or disaster. Here are a few things we can speak to you about for your church. How to continue communicating with your congregants without access to your physical location. How do members reach the leadership staff? What about church records? Are they safe and available? And here are a few things we will cover for a small business. Communicating with your customers and meeting their needs and or orders. Do you have a backup process to keep your business records safe? We can talk about technology, security, and record keeping. For more information, Contact us at 708-762-3587. That's 708-762-3587. And we can discuss how you can feel more comfortable in creating a emergency response plan and or a business continuity plan. Mm-hmm.